passionate about the truth of God's Word and will tell you like it is, Autumn Miles is best-selling author of three books, popular speaker, CEO, wife of 17 years, and mom of four kids, and not to mention, everybody's best friend. With fresh biblical insight, she dares you to step out in raw faith. Hey, hey, guys, it is your girl, Autumn Miles, back with you for another fresh episode of the Autumn Miles Show. And you guys, I just, I love you so much. I can't even handle my life. You guys are amazing. Um, We've just been checking in um, to see how the show is growing. And there are so many of you guys that are downloading this thing and listening. We're hearing from you. And it is thrilling my heart. Okay. It is thrilling my heart. You know, when you step out in faith and you're like, Hey, I'm going to switch avenues completely. I did a daily radio show in Dallas for almost five years. Um, and to switch over to a podcast was quite a step of faith and to see you guys, um, following along and, listening. And it is just, you guys, I can't even tell you how much I adore you. You're just amazing. So um, I want you guys to know that we are here for you. And I hope this podcast you guys enjoy. Um, I wanted to just open up the show with something that is happening in my house and my world. A couple of weeks ago, there was contractor that showed up at my house. <laughs> and this contractor, I found out from my husband when I uh, called him and said, uh, why is there a bunch of people, men at my house in the backyard? Uh, he said, oh, I want to put in a fire pit. Okay. He wants to put in a permanent fire pit in the back of our yard. And I was like, oh, thanks for letting me know. <laughs> so these, these, several of these, as contractor and a lot of people that work for him came and they were kind of surveying um, the ground and, um, you know, they did a lot of measuring, they did a lot of, of different things, and then they left. And a couple of days later, they came back and a guy took like a backhoe, I think it's called, and he ripped up so much of our yard. (laughs) I was like, oh my gosh, my pretty grass. But he just started where they had spray painted off where we said, we want the fire pit to go here and the concrete around it to go here. He he started uh, really ripping up our grass, looked awful, looked horrible. Um, And I was a little bit stressing out. And then the next day they came and they smoothed out the place where he had ripped up our grass. They put in this rebar stuff and did a lot of things, which I don't know what they did, but they really prepared the ground for the concrete. The next day they came um, and started raining. So they had to leave. There was a delay. A couple days later, um, they came and totally had to leave again because of rain. And the next day they came and poured the concrete and then they started smoothing it out and it looked beautiful. And just yesterday they came and they took all of the different molds that they had put around the concrete. They removed it and they just made it 
look really, really pretty. It's still not done, but it's going to be a really cool fire pit for us and the kids and just, you know, whoever wants to come and have s'mores with us on any given day. And I was thinking through this this morning about just how many steps it takes to produce something like a fire pit in your backyard, how many steps it takes to produce um, something that will stand the test of time, how many steps it takes for us to um, watch the process from beginning to end and anything that is going to be immovable. And I am kind of blown away as I think through how many steps, how many delays um, the fire pit took in our backyard. And it really has ministered deeply to my heart. Here I am looking at a fire pit that took up several weeks and it is a fire pit that is immovable. It ain't going anywhere. It took several delays. It took a really, really long process. And it's something as insignificant as a fire pit. And I just couldn't get out of my head our lives, the process that we're on, the journey that we're on, the things that we're called to do. You know, we want to leave a legacy. We want our work for the Lord or our our parenting or whatever to stand the test of time. We want our marriage to do that. But when you build something that is immovable, something that is permanent, something that stays it is going to take a oftentimes a longer process than you want. There will be delays. There will be setbacks. There will be things that come into your journey and make it look like it's never going to happen. And yet it's all part of the process of instituting something in this world that stays. And I was just so ministered to by, by that. You know, when you're talking, when I was watching this guy like dig up all of our ground, it looks so pretty. It was like, why are we disturbing this ground just for a fire pit? But once the product was finished, it was worth it. If you were to look at the first step in the process, which was removing all of our beautiful grass, you would think this is stupid. Why did we even do this? But the finished product was worth it because it looks so cool out there. And I just can't help to think that some of you guys are in that backhoe telling up the soil step in your process, moving towards what God has asked you to do or called you to do or whatever. And I want you to hear me say this. Don't be discouraged by one step in a several step process. That is moving you forward to exactly what God has for you in a completed product. Don't be discouraged. If you're staring at tilled up land that looks ugly, let me tell you, someone's going to come in and put rebar in that land and pour cement in that land. And it's going to be, there's going to be a beautiful product that comes out of it. That really encouraged me today. Um, Don't hate the process. Know that you are working towards a final product that is worth it. I thought I'd share it with you. We'll be back with more from Autumn right after this. Does it seem like God is answering everyone's prayers but yours? Do you want to see results from your prayer life? 
Do you feel as if you are a professional Christian with an amateur prayer life? If so, Autumn's latest book, Gangster Prayer, is for you. Autumn Miles wrote Gangster Prayer because she herself experienced disappointment from years of praying with little results. Gangster Prayer will show you how to unlearn bad habits in prayer and build your prayer life on a foundation of faith and not doubt. Get your copy of Gangster Prayer today at autumnmiles.com or anywhere books are sold. Be sure to follow Autumn on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. And now back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles. Hey, hey, guys. I am back from the break. I've got such a word for you today. I've got such a word. Lean in. Open those ears. I I am believing that God is going to give you insight today. I am believing that God's word is not going to return void on this podcast today. Now, I want to start off with this point. God does exactly to the letter, to the period, to the comma, to the semicolon, exactly what he says he's going to do. Okay. Now I know you've heard that on an Instagram post or like on social or some image or whatever. I know, let me tell you this. I know that you have heard that and Instagram's great. Okay. If I, if I put that up and I have used that quote before, you know, it would get a ton of likes in like 2.5 seconds. All right. It is one of those things that is easy to post and is hard to live. Okay. I want to broaden your mind a little bit because it is one thing to post something. It's one thing to say something. It's one thing to pray something, but to live it out and to see it lived out in the pages of scripture, I am telling you what is a totally different thing. Do you live like God does exactly what he says. If we all lived, not posted, but lived like God does exactly what he says he's going to do, this world would be radically changed for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Radically. Now, this is the point I want to get into, and I'm going to give you my point straight away. Um, I actually hate doing this because I like I like a good buildup. I mean, who doesn't like a good buildup? But this is what God told me about a week ago. He told me this. Number one, Jesus was the word, okay? And John, it talks about Jesus uh, was the word and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So we know that Jesus was the word. That's like mind blowing of itself, Okay. The second thing is this, Jesus was the fulfillment of the word of God, okay? Jesus was the word and he wrapped himself in flesh, came down, but he was also the fulfillment of the word of God. And the third thing, and this is the thing that I have never heard preached before, doesn't mean it hasn't, I just, it hasn't hit Autumn Miles' ears and I felt I was directly from the Holy Spirit. Jesus depended on the word of God. Now, I'm going to back up my point with a lot of scripture. 
but I want to just right off the gate and I'm going to drill this into your head today. If Jesus depended on the word of God, he knew that the word of God, the scriptures, the prophecies from Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, uh, well, Jonah, Jonah, Micah, all of the prophets. He knew that as they were prophesying the word of God, it was so stable. It was so secure that he lived by it and depended on it as well. Jesus knew that God does exactly what he says he's going to do. And he lived like it. You know, I use this example. I have used this example before. We in this Christian world, uh, the church, it's as if we want anything else other than God's word to confirm a direction we should go or um, what we should do or a decision we have to make or something like that. Why? Because it's tangible. If I have a person walk up to me and say, Autumn, you should do this. I think you should do this. That's something I can grab onto. I'll remember that conversation. I can, it's tangible. It's an experience. We would rather have that than actually live as if God does exactly what he says he's going to do. Why? Because it's easier. Because we want to walk by sight rather than faith. Because it's quicker for us to understand uh, that our mortal minds can understand and experience rather than the scripture. I I tell this story often when Grace, when actually it's kind of a crazy story. God told me I was pregnant with Grace. I did not know. I was extremely sick, sicker than normal. You know, you see all these beautiful pregnant women walking around and they're so beautiful with their like little Nike sneakers and their little, you know, Lululemon yoga pants and their cute little bellies. I was not that. Okay. First of all, Lululemon, I don't even think was a thing back then. And we couldn't afford Nikes. So I was wearing Walmart Nikes and, you know, was, was rocking the thing. I was not cute. I felt very not cute while I was pregnant, but I got very, very sick. I did not know why I was sick. Um, I had, I I, I just, I literally, if you, if I'm going to be honest, I thought I was dying. I was the tiredest I've ever been in my life. I was so nauseous. It was horrible. And I remember I was on a plane and I was flying home. I had done some speaking and I had, I, I was flying home and God told me you're pregnant. And I was like, what? That's so weird. The spirit of God told me this is so crazy. Um, I thought, wow, that would be cool. Um, Eddie and I had not been married very long. We've been married maybe six six months or something like that. And I thought, oh, that's cool. Um, two weeks later, I was getting sicker. I was not getting better. And so rather than listening to that voice that said, Autumn, you're pregnant, I went to where? Where did I go? Dollar General. That's where I went. We couldn't, we had no money. We could afford nothing. So I walked into Dollar General to the pregnancy test section, and you know those are infallible. And I picked me up two pregnancy tests because that's what we could afford. They were a dollar each. And um, went and they were like the weird pregnancy tests. Like I didn't even know exactly what I was doing. They were weird. They weren't like the, you know, clear blue easy or whatever they use these days. They were like super cheap <laughs> pregnancy tests. Went and checked out, went home. Now, mind you, God had already said you're pregnant with a baby girl. It was very specific with a baby girl. This is two weeks before. 
did I believe God? Well, I wanted to. I wanted to believe that I was pregnant with a baby girl. But no, I went and got the Dollar General really crappy pregnancy test to try to confirm whether or not I was pregnant. And both of them came back positive. And do you know, I felt more stable in two Dollar General pregnancy tests. I thought, well, this confirms it. I'm definitely pregnant. Then I did the word of God speaking over my life. That is just a really disappointing audit of my faith back then. I believe Dollar General over God Almighty. But isn't this what we do, you guys? I want to encourage your faith today. I want to grow your dependence on the word of God. I want you to know that if Jesus depended on the word of God, he knew it to be fact. He knew it was active. He knew it. there is a verse for any problem that you could go to. It is total. It is complete. He knew those things and he depended on it. So can you. I want to take you to Isaiah 61. Now, this is one of my favorite passages of scripture. Um, It actually confirmed to me um, getting my, we call them artificial twins because they're 10 weeks apart. Uh, But it confirmed to me we were going to adopt two babies on down in the passage. But this is how Isaiah, who is one of the, to me, most incredible prophets of all time, He is my favorite. I love him. My nephew's named Isaiah. I couldn't be more happier when they told me that his his name was going to be Isaiah because he was just amazing. Isaiah 61 starts off as this. It says this, the spirit of the Lord God, Lord God, when you put Lord God together in the scripture, it translates to Yahweh, is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all those who moan, mourn, not moan, (laughs) mourn, not moan. This passage is so powerful by itself, you guys. I want to take you then to Luke 4. So Isaiah is saying this hundreds of years previous to the scene I am taking you to right now. Hundreds of years previous. He is prophesying of what is to come. This happens in Luke 4. Here Jesus enters the scene. He enters the synagogue. Um, and he is about to throw down a truth that is about to blow everybody's mind. I want to read it to you. Luke 4, 14. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the spirit that is so important. And news about him spread throughout all the surrounding districts. Hang with me. This is so good. And he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. 
I want to set this up for you a little bit. He had not yet started his, he is just starting his public ministry. And this is the first public statement that we have of him in the gospels. He had just been taken uh, 40 days and was tempted by the devil in the wilderness. And this is him coming straight out of it. He is filled with the spirit. He's been tested in the wilderness. He's coming out of it. He's filled with the spirit. He is ready to do this thing for his father. He is ready to go to the cross. He is ready to resurrect from the dead. He is ready to give people hope. He is coming out of that wilderness full force filled with the spirit of God. Okay. Let me uh, read it again. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the spirit and news about him spread throughout all the surrounding districts. And he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. And he came to Nazareth, Nazareth, which is where he'd be, he had been brought up. I was about to say that and I looked down and it was right in the verse, which is where he had been brought up. And as was custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. Just the scene alone gives me chills. Jesus standing up in the synagogue, getting ready to read the word of God. That scene alone, whoo, if I could have been in that congregation that day, oh my goodness, what would that have been like? Anyway, tangent. Verse 17, and the book, listen, this is so good. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it was written. Now, He was handed the book of Isaiah and he looked in the book of Isaiah for the passage that I'm getting ready to read you. He was searching for the word of God to make a point to everyone that was listening. In this moment, he was dependent on the word of God to teach the people because they did not believe in him yet. They didn't know who he actually was yet. He was teaching them the very word of God of which he was the fulfillment. This is a powerful moment. So they hand him Isaiah, he opens it up and he finds exactly where he wants to read. He is dependent on the word of God. He uses the word of God. He stands on the word of God. He teaches the word of God. So he found, opened the book and he found the place where it was written. Verse 18, he reads this, what I just read to you in Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. He goes on and he says this, this is like Mike drop Jesus and I love it so much. He closed the book. He gave it back to the attendant and sat down. He was done. Three verses, he is, two verses, he is sitting down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Again, this is Luke 4, 14 to about 22. 
And he began to say to them this, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all were speaking well of him and wondering the gracious words which were falling from his lips. And they were saying, is this not Joseph's son? Now, I want to bring this home to you guys today. When Jesus chooses something to say, he goes to the word of God. They hand him Isaiah. He goes to Isaiah 61 as we read it. I'm sure it was scroll number 50. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how they were organized back then. He picks up the exact word. He reads the exact prophecy of himself. He shuts the book and he sits down. And what he tells them in verse 21 is, and he began to say to them today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He is telling them straight, I am the fulfillment of this scripture. Now, Jesus was the word. He told all the people straight out the gate. This is the first public thing that he said. I'm the fulfillment of the word. But he also used and relied on the word of God. When Jesus goes to the cross three years later, he makes seven statements on the cross. I talked about one of them not too long ago. I thirst. The very last statement that he makes on the cross is, it is finished. What do you think Jesus was referring to when he said it? It. It is finished. He's referring to the word of God. The prophecies about himself. It is finished. As he went through the three years of his ministry, he told the people about the scriptures. He taught the scriptures. He was the fulfillment of the scriptures. He believed the scriptures so much and so totally without doubt whatsoever that he went to the cross and he died for you and for me, believing that he was going to be raised from the dead as was in the scriptures. And three days later, he was on Easter Sunday morning. And I poise this question to you. I point it to you and I want it to challenge you. I want it to rub you. I want you to think about this. If the scripture and the word of God was so powerful that Jesus Christ went to the cross believing he would be resurrected, we can believe what it says as well. We don't need no dollar general pregnancy test. We have the word of the ever loving, living, almighty God to guide us, to protect us, to give us an inheritance so we can stand on its promises. If Jesus depended on the word of God, so can you. 
I don't care what your circumstances look like today. Look at Jesus. I just talked this morning about the Garden of Gethsemane. Look at what he faced. And yet he was so confident in the faithfulness of the word of God that he stood firm. You'll never face what he faced. But you can do something that he did. Or just stand on the promises of a good God who loves you. I don't know what you're looking at today, what your circumstances look like today. I don't know how you feel today, but let me tell you something. How you feel about God and how you feel about God's word does not subtract from his character. It doesn't matter how you feel. Your feelings will not take away or stop him from doing what his word says that he will do because it's based on his character, not how you feel. It's a good God that's not swayed by our feelings. It's a good God that's not swayed by culture. It's a good God that we can trust and depend on yesterday, today, and forever. I hope this encouraged you today. I love that point. I wanted, I felt very strongly I needed to share it with you guys today. If Jesus depended and lived like God does what he says he's going to do, so can you. I'll be back after the break with a question from one of you. Are you looking for a passionate speaker for your next conference, church function, or fundraiser? Autumn Miles is the right fit for you. As the founder of the Autumn Miles Ministry, a live event ministry, Autumn has not only spoken at events around the country, she has planned and directed them. Autumn is a survivor of domestic abuse, and she is passionate about educating the church on how to effectively assist victims. Her message of hope and healing has been shared on the big stage internationally. Autumn is devoted to spiritually challenging people to draw closer to God. She is a passionate advocate for the word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. To find out how you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement, go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, just search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab, Click on it and scroll down for more information. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. And now back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles. Okay, I am back with the question segment of today's show. Uh, the question is this, how do I argue with my spouse without wanting to be right? That is a really funny question, and I'm super glad that you were so transparent with your question. I will tell you this. My husband, now, now I'm going to tell on him a little bit, but he'll be fine. I'll, I'll talk to him about it. My husband always wants to be right. Okay. Now I know, I know you might not believe what I'm saying, but if he was in here, he would say the same thing. He has said the same thing. We've done lots of marriage shows and counseling and all this kind of stuff. Um, he's just got this thing where he always wants to be right. And he will like fight for the right and fight for his point of view and, and whatever. He wants me to know how right he is. But you know what? I'm on the other side.
other side of that. And I've always got a perspective. I'm not quite as in, in, in my marriage relationship, like here I can be crazy and loud and opinion and stuff like that. But in our marriage relationship, I kind of morph into something a little bit different. Eddie is definitely, you know, the more, I don't even know how to say it. He's the more stubborn <laughs> of the two. Um, but I always have a perspective too. And I always want to be right as well. And I do definitely think I have something that I can bring to you in this area. When you both want to be right. And when it's, you're coming to a point where you're stuck and you're stalled, God's word wins our arguments. There has been a lot of time, a lot of time where there's some gray area here. It's like, you know, you argue about really stupid things. Um, there's some gray area that you sort of encounter through. We've been married almost 17 years. It'll be 17 years next month. Um, there's gray area. The word doesn't say thou shalt eat at Chick-fil-A as opposed to Chipotle. It doesn't say that. But there are attitudes behind these, this desire to be right all the time. And sometimes when we have come to a place where he's not seeing my point of view, I'm not seeing his point of view, we kind of take a break. We step back. I'll go get me a Diet Coke from, from somewhere. Uh, we'll just take a breather. And a lot of times in that breather, God will begin to speak to our hearts so we can come back together and have a productive conversation where compromise is necessary or whether we are, remind ourselves of what the word of God says. It is totally normal for you to want to be right in all of your fights, but are you fighting against your husband or are you fighting with your husband for your marriage? Sometimes we fight against our husbands or our wives and it's like we're in the ring and we're two opponents going at each other when really we're on the same side, we're on the same team and we are fighting the enemy to keep our marriage strong for ourselves, for the Lord, for our children. So yes, of course you're going to be right that you're human. Okay. However, there are ways to navigate that step back, take a break, remind yourself what the word of God says. Are you actually handling yourself in a way that would honor God in your marriage? Remind yourself, listen, you, you are not against each other. You are for each other. You are on the same team. You're not on opposing teams. I hope this helps you today. I love you guys so much. I will see you next week with a new episode of the Autumn Mile Show. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Autumn Miles Show. To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. There, you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. Her inspiring message will be sure to engage and touch the heart of your audience at your next conference, church event, or business function. While you're online, you can find out how to order Autumn's latest book, Gangster Prayer. Our prayer is that this book will lead you to an intentional and passionate prayer life that is in sync with the heart of God. Go to autumnmiles.com to order your copy today. As we close, remember that you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join us next time for another edition of the Autumn Miles Show. 